the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We are an hour away from our top military advisors facing the microphone at the Pentagon. Uh, will a resignation be in the offing? It certainly is appropriate for the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, for the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley. Don't know if we'll get it. This administration seems to be wholly incapable of admitting fault, which is odd because I think most people have a general awareness that one of the most attractive qualities a person can have is humility and ownership of one's own mistakes. I think the American public is a forgiving public. I think, and it's way too late for this now, and it's certainly not in the nature, character, or fiber of Joe Biden to ever say anything like this, but to say, look, we screwed this up a lot of different ways, and It's done. I can't undo it. But boy, do I ever regret it. No, instead, it's a personal inconvenience to Joe Biden. He was shouting. He was yelling yesterday. Um, He doesn't get angry about the death of 13 service personnel. He doesn't get angry about people streaming over our border and bringing COVID with them. And he doesn't get angry over policies that people in his administration put forth and he falls for and they turn sour like his economic policy. He only gets mad when he thinks his popularity is decreasing. It's laughable to me that uh, Jen Psaki, Jake Sullivan, and all his other bootlicks are saying, oh, no, 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 he wasn't angry yesterday because of public perception that he's botched this. No, that was resolute determination. No, it wasn't. He's mad because the spotlight's on him. Can't hide in the Senate anymore. Can't hide in Barack Obama's shadow anymore. Wait, you mean if I'm president, I'm responsible? Yeah, funny how that works, isn't it? Funny how that works. Uh, Now, I noticed today on the Columbus Dispatch website a very interesting story about the Columbus Dispatch. Headlined like this, annual newsroom staffing report shows increase in diversity at the dispatch. Oh, well, I can't wait to read this. And here's the lead paragraph. Now, for those of you who are not journalism graduates like I am, the lead paragraph is the first paragraph. It is supposed to be a summation of the most important thing in the story and chart the course for the case that is going to be made in the rest of the story. Here is the lead on the Columbus Dispatch story. 
for the dispatch to succeed, we must have an inclusive and diverse workplace where employees are valued and feel empowered. Okay, let me count up in my head. One, two, three. I've worked at three newspapers. Uh, One for five years, one for year and a half, one for 18 years. Uh, Now, I've not worked at a newspaper since 2005. That's back when newspapers were actually newspapers, and they were about to fail, which is why I got out. But back then, they cared about things that they would have said were a lot more (laughs) germane and impactful to their success other than uh, an inclusive and diverse workplace where employees were valued and empowered. I can guarantee you that no newspaper I ever worked at were the editors even remotely concerned with feeling, with making sure that I felt valued and empowered. No, what they were concerned about, and this may explain why newspapers, including the Columbus Dispatch, are failing miserably, what they were concerned about back when newspapers were newspapers was accuracy and nonpartisanship. Yes, fairness. Oh, my. An antiquated concept. For the dispatch to succeed, that's the start of their sentence. I would say for the dispatch to succeed, it must engender the trust of the community, right? If you're a news source, isn't the trust of the community paramount to your success? Why would anybody buy your paper? Or why would all people buy your paper? Republicans, Democrats, independents, libertarians. Why would everyone want to see what the Columbus Dispatch has to say? Well, if it's a honest broker, if it's a fair arbiter of what's going on, that would be a reason. Because you would know that, well, some days they're going to ding my people, and some days they're going to ding their people. And I can always know that whatever I read in the Columbus Dispatch is going to be true, accurate, and unbiased. Does anyone believe that? No. Why does that doubt, skepticism, awareness of the Columbus Dispatch as a liberal rag persist in our community. Oh, the answer lies in the back half of this sentence. We must have an inclusive and diverse workplace where employees are valued and feel empowered. We must have an inclusive and diverse workplace, if I may translate the remainder of that sentence, where the inmates run the asylum and feel free to put forward their views at the expense of truth. That is what that sentence says. And that is what we see on the Columbus Dispatch website and in the paper in the few days it is actually published per week in this city. Now, I know they wrote this to extol their virtues in cutting the number of white employees at their paper from 93% in 2020 to 88% in 2021. Let me tell you how they did that. They did that when old white guys and old white ladies retired. That is how they did that. Okay? This is not via some grand uh, sacrifice 
on their part. And it is, to me, absolutely incredible that you would write a story where less than 4% of your workforce is black, 1% of your workforce is Hispanic or Latino, less than 3% of your workforce is Asian, and 2% of the remainder of your workforce is another race, and you would claim that you are diverse and inclusive. But that's the claim they make. So I will tell you this. I worked at a lot of papers that would prioritize hiring a person of a certain color, a certain gender. And it always, always was a reflection of the small-mindedness of the people in charge in attempting to demonstrate how progressive, forward-thinking, savvy, smart they were, their actions instead betrayed how incredibly short-sighted and small-minded they were. I know it came as a great shock to them that to have a reporter cover the NBA, you could actually have a reporter who wasn't a black male do a good job of that. Or to have uh, someone who covers women's basketball, she didn't actually have to be a woman. But these kinds of, oh, well, we need this. Oh, okay, well, what do the people playing that sport look like? Let's go get them. It's just such a clear delineation why newspapers have ceased to be relevant. I know there are other cultural factors and technological factors at work, and kids don't read newspapers anymore, and they read it on their phone and all that. And newspapers never, ever saw the Internet coming. Oh, you mean there's something that can give me instant? We're in the information business. Do you mean that a device that people could have in their pocket that would provide them instant access to information from anywhere in the world, do you think that's going to catch on? Yes, that was the reaction of newspaper executives. I won't ever forget. Sitting at a luncheon when I was a member of the Plain Dealers Statehouse Bureau, and the publisher from Cleveland came down, and he was going to fire up the troops and tell us how great things were at the mighty Plain Dealer. And one of my colleagues noted, uh, boy, we're spending like a ton of money on a new printing plant out there along uh, the outer belt of Cleveland. Isn't that a little risky? Given how the internet is kind of taking over the news business? And he pounded the podium and he said, paper and ink, paper and ink. That's the future of the newspaper business. Yeah, paper and ink. Well, since that time, A lot of newspapers aren't worth the paper and the ink they're printed on. And sadly enough, one of those papers is the Columbus Dispatch. I would like to say thank you to a caller to 844-TALK-989 after the show yesterday. Uh, The female caller 
And she, uh, I don't want to give away what she does or who she is because I don't get her in any trouble because, you know, being a friend of mine here on the Bruce Hooley Show, you never know uh, what kind of consequences will be doled out toward you. But I received her call and she said very kind things about the show and she thanked me for helping her keep informed about local school issues. And she said, and this is one of the, one of the very best things someone could say to me was you help me make good decisions about educating my kids. Uh, That means a lot to me. And I never undervalue the privilege it is to have this platform and the privilege that it is to be able to speak with you every day and to uh, give you a perspective on the news that I don't think you'll find anywhere else. Uh, I understand it's often not a popular perspective. Uh, We are called to stand for truth. I said in the opening statement of this show today, that the problem with the Biden administration is that they have no commitment to truth. They lie at every turn. They've lied about the border. They're lying about our economy. They are lying about COVID. They are lying about Afghanistan. And they will continue to lie. And what I don't know is, uh, as they pivot to whatever else they decide to lie about next, is will the American news media tire of this story? Will they move on to whatever's next? I kind of think the answer is yes. And so the midterms aren't for quite a bit of time yet, more than a year. Will this still be viewed in November of 2022 as it is viewed now, as an epic disaster? Biden's approval ratings have plummeted. Uh, They should plummet. But... Never forget, he wouldn't be president if the news media hadn't pumped air into his uh, limp and leaky qualifications for the job. He was allowed to hide in the basement all throughout COVID. He never had to show himself capable of the daily physical grind that being the president is. Um, and if you watch TV, I mean, turn on the, turn on the news some night, Okay. Turn on the network news. Are those journalists or are they models, you know, with perfect hair? And they're there to just hold your attention between sound bites and video pieces and of production. They're not committed to telling you the truth. You think David Muir and Nora O'Donnell are committed to telling you the truth? You think Don Lemon is committed to telling you the truth? No, they would lie to you if it meant one more Instagram follower or one more raise that they could get by currying favor on social media. What do you think the stomach at the New York Times or Washington Post is for continuing to report on Afghanistan if the continual reporting on Afghanistan is only going to make Joe Biden appear incompetent and lead to the election of a Republican-dominated House, a Republican-controlled Senate, and perhaps even a Republican president in 2024. You don't have to guess about how that's going to be viewed at the Washington Post or the New York Times. All you have to do is reflect upon the self-flagellation that ensued after Donald Trump was elected in 2016 and the blame game that went on. That's the only time that a leftist will ever take blame for anything is when they think that 
They're lapsing away from putting their agenda forward first and foremost above everything else, including truth, leads to the election of conservative politicians. That's when they get real introspective. They've made that, what they view, as a mistake once. They're not eager to make that mistake again. I don't think they have the stomach to make that mistake again. So as bad as Afghanistan is, I expect them to tire of it really, really quickly. Never forget, you're committed to truth because most likely you have some prioritization of religious faith in your life. If you do, then you're not looking for another religion. But those on the other side of the aisle, their religion is their politics. You ever wonder how they can be so horribly disengaged from truth, how they can ever say, hmm, what do you mean? A man can be a woman, a woman can be a man, a man can have a period. They're ready to defend that to the death in the same way that you would be ready to defend your faith to the death, because that is their religion. And so why would they stray from that in order to tell a story that brushes way too close to the truth, which could only lead to the defeat of the very religion that they hold dear and espouse. Pretty soon the narrative is going to switch on Afghanistan. Pretty soon the narrative is going to switch to, oh, we got everybody out that wanted out. We saved so many. Now, there's one thing that could reorder that narrative. And I have not, I really don't have the savvy to know because I'm not a foreign policy expert. I'm not a counterterrorism expert. But it's going to be very hard to tell that story that Afghanistan was a success if the Taliban decides to behead Americans on camera and release that video for people to see. To what degree do they want their reputation to be known throughout the world? Do they want to be known as (laughs) the lie that Joe Biden and Jake Sullivan and Jen Psaki say about them? That they're all, they're different. Oh, they're interested in being on the world. Oh, they can't wait to be a part of the world government of the UN. They can't wait to be recognized. Sure, they can't. If that's a lie they want to purport, then they won't do those kinds of things on camera. But if they do, if they do, then I don't see any way Joe Biden can plausibly make the case that his Afghanistan decisions were a success. Uh, Here's Jake Sullivan on with Nicole Wallace of MSNBC. Uh, Speaking of traitors, Nicole Wallace, who was John McCain's campaign manager until McCain brought Sarah Palin aboard, and now she's an MSNBC anchor. Ooh, man, talk about a Benedict Arnold. Uh, Here is Nicole Wallace asking what I thought was a pretty self-evident question of Jake Sullivan. Um, Well, I see I don't have time for it before the bottom of the hour. She asked him, is the Taliban our enemy? Are they our frenemy? And he couldn't answer. 
well, you know, just kind of depends on how they want to be recognized throughout the world. Yes, why would the Taliban want to be what the Taliban has always been? A bunch of barbarians, murderers. Uh, Why would they want to be the person who harbored Osama bin Laden when he, uh, you know, that whole flying planes into the tower thing? Osama bin Laden, he never told us that. Remember, just last week they said, bin Laden? Towers? Hmm, Never happened. Yeah, that's the Taliban we're trusting. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.